turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, we'll get an update in a few moments from uh, Todd Benzman, our old friend Todd Benzman, down at the border. Turns out a book he wrote about two and a half, three years ago about the border and the national security. Turns out um, he was right. And there's now coverage from, if you can believe it, CNN. CNN is actually admitting that there's... uh, People coming across the border who are national security threats. How about that? How about that? And we'll also talk with Tony Lyons. Tony Lyons is the founder and publisher, uh, the CEO of Skyhorse Publishing. He has published a lot of books that others wouldn't touch. In fact, I should ask him this very specifically. I think he might have done this first with Woody Allen. Woody Allen got canceled and already had a memoir written. And uh, Tony Lyons was like, you got a memoir written? You're Woody Allen. You got people that ca- you know are interested in what you say. Uh, and so here, I'll publish it. And I think that was the start of him sort of being on the cutting edge of um, publishing. Well, say like the cutting edge of the mainstream. He doesn't do like avant-garde stuff. He just does stuff that's a little more edgy. He did RFK Jr.'s book on Fauci uh, that was very, very interesting and hard on the pharmaceutical companies. And he also has done... A couple of other books on uh, one on election fraud from Christina Bob. Um, he just anyway, he's really good, uh, interesting guy. And uh, we're going to talk with him about where we are in the state of publishing and the state of play in this country. Um, and uh, Tony Lyons in a moment. But first, what you need to know, what you need to know today is that um, the uh, machinery, the machinery, as, a, as someone said, is open now. The hood is up and we can see how things work. Right. So it's one thing to see how uh, Hunter Biden how crass he was and how um, uh, obvious he was about milking his father's position. More and more uh, testimony has uh, come out. Facts have come out that show that whether it was illegal or not, I don't know, but it was certainly influencing influence peddling. And now we're finding out that, you know, Almost like schoolboys, uh, Joe Biden had made up names that he created email accounts that were on official servers that he was emailing back and forth. And and so it's kind of crass. It's kind of ugly. The underbelly of the Hunter Biden thing is really sort of nasty. But what it also has shown is how much money is in that racket, the racket of government, federal government, the control of the executive branch, the presidency and otherwise. Massive amounts of wealth. And here's the best example. This is wonderful. It's so good to see, just so you can see how things work. If the if the Clinton administration set up the Clinton Foundation and raised billions of dollars as money that was basically shakedown money because they planned to have Hillary be president. And it, it, it worked. They, she was getting ready to run for years and years and years. And they were just building out this thing, the Clinton Foundation. I mean, just hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, billions total. And everybody's getting paid. Everybody's on the campaign. Everybody that's overlapping with the campaign is getting paid. Foreign countries are saying this is uh, really good. We know how this is going to work. We know how we, we know what we've purchased in terms of influence and friendship and everything else. 
And then they lost, which is like, you know, where do you go to get your money back if you're one of these countries and one of these individuals? But here's a great example. This is so interesting. Uh, the congressman from West Virginia is a Democrat, Manchin. Manchin is a Democrat. He was a governor of of uh, of um, West Virginia. He was um, the uh, then the senator from West Virginia. His daughter was the CEO of a, a big uh, company that did EpiPins, a Fortune 500 company that did the EpiPins uh, for, uh, you know, when people have a, a reaction and you need to have your uh, epinephrine, I think it is. And she got in some trouble because it turns out, <laughs> lo and behold, they they really um it reimbursed a lot of money the government did for people that needed epipens. Uh, that's funny, isn't that interesting? Somehow Senator Joe Manchin's daughter, her company got really really good treatment, really good treatment. So funny, wow, how that happened? Hmm, unbelievable, amazing, really. Um, so here's the thing. Now Joe Manchin has threatened, he has threatened to go and try to run for president on a third party, and he doesn't know what to do because he's a sitting senator. He delivered a vote on the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which was really a green giveaway, and he's he complains about a lot of things, but he's thinking about running for president. So what does he do? He and his daughter, now retired CEO of that co- healthcare company, have said they're going to raise a hundred million dollars to start a policy think tank that will be for centrist solutions. In other words, hi, I'm Joe Manchin. I might run for president unless somebody helps me by giving me a hundred million dollars to go ahead and do this centrist foundation, which will employ myself, my wife, uh, excuse me, my daughter, all these different people, my camp, my, uh, uh, com- uh staff, other things. It's a great shakedown. Now, a related shakedown, although not stated as clearly, but the, the key here is when you have power in the swamp, it's worth so much money that you got to cash in. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan raised somewhere about a close to a hundred million dollars to try to help elect his majority, reelect his majority when he was speaker. And then he decided not to run for reelection. He decided to quit. And he basically quit on everything. It was because he was tired of Trump, he said, and he couldn't stand it. But what he made sure to do was what the hundred million dollars or so that he had raised to help his uh, colleagues try to win. He didn't spend it all. And when it was done, he had somewhere close to $10 million. It may have been in my head, it's 7.8 million, but somewhere it wasn't 3 million. It wasn't 5 million. It was seven or $10 million. And he had that in his campaign account. And you know what he did? He converted it into a nonprofit that employs his staff, his family, his friends, himself, and can raise money to it also now. But you you don't have as much power. You don't have as much power when you're out of office. So you got to make hay while the sun shines. And Joe Manchin has shown exactly how you do it. You you don't think that there's someone in the world of pharmaceuticals, in the world of health, world of healthcare, in the world of unions, in the world of Democrat politics, some multi-billionaire, some multi-million, some multi-billion dollar company that says, hey, 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 you know what would be really good is if Joe Manchin's voice was given, even though he's not going to run for re-election because he can't win. Can't win in West Virginia. It's a Republican state now, but he can't win. And so but what we can do is we can lift his voice up by helping him with a hundred million dollars. Watch it. Watch it. The other way that this happens is I looked it up the other day. You know, there was some coverage of the fact that um, just a couple years out of office as ambassador, uh, Nikki Haley went from being worth a million dollars to being somewhere worth about eight million dollars. And she made all that money because why? Well, because she's running for president again, in part, but because she's connected. She's connected. Okay. You know, 
another, but you know, th- th- that's one of the ways you do this game. You make it valuable to be part of the system. Her positions right now are four more funding of Ukraine and the war are four more of the multinationalist positions that are big money. Now she may really believe them. I'm not, I'm not questioning her heart. I'm saying follow the money works. Another example, Mike Pence, vice president, he received $1.4 million advance cash. Boom. You get that money for his book. Now he wrote a book. Do you think he really sold 1.4 million copies of uh, dollars worth of the book? I doubt it. That's a lot of money, but he, Again, he did a two-book deal that's worth, I think, $5 million total or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure that number. Let me be careful. I know $1.4 million was out there. And, and so here we are. The point is the swamp pays. The swamp pays, and it pays well. But you got to know how to game the system. You got to know how to make hay when the sun shines. Here's Joe Manchin showing us the way. You got to know how to milk the system while it's the right time to be milking. You've got to not – you don't let yourself get out of power. You don't do things like you get out of power. You make sure you use your leverage when you can. And the, 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 the country, the nation is replete with people who don't realize that timing. And therefore they wait until they're out. Uh, you know, I, I always think of Michelle Bachman. Michelle Bachman was like a meteor. She was very, very, she was a cross between like, um, uh, uh, Marjorie Taylor Green and Matt Gates in terms of flashy and actually more conservative than any of them, really. They, she was really conservative and she was a, she was a, like a, she was like a rocket across the sky, a shooting star. And she ran for president and she did better than anyone expected. And then they put the screws to her. And they started looking into her campaign finance, and they basically found that she was stretched too thin and all. And then she was out of office. And once she's out of office, no more influence, no more power. She wasn't, I mean, she was a very articulate, uh, attractive, charismatic speaker. So she was on all the TV shows. Fox loved her. When she's out of office, gone. If the swamp and then if the narrative machine shuts you down, and those are overlapping, then you don't have a way to make your voice heard. So you got to stay in power. It's one of the reasons why, like, I wish Louis Gomer, the congressman from Texas, had not quit. Because even if he was not in a powerful position, he would be in a, um, in a position of, uh, of influence by his, by his bully pulpit, by his bully pulpit. And so be careful. Sometimes you lose people that are, you know, trying to do the right things, but their leverage changes. And Joe Manchin is giving us a masterclass, Joe Manchin's masterclass on how to milk the system. That's the, that's what you need to know today. And it's, um, it's, it's amazing to behold. It's amazing to behold. Check it out. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk with Todd Benzman and then Tony Lyons. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Don't forget, go to proamericareport.com to sign up for the daily email there. I'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Time to check up with our old for, check up with our old friend Todd Benzman. Todd Benzman, of course, is the National Security Senior National Security Fellow over at the Center for Immigration Studies. He's got a post over there the last couple of days on CIS.org. I'll put it up on social media. You can click through to his um, author page. Uh, the title is What What to Make of CNN's Exclusive about an ISIS smuggler who moved Uzbeks over our border. Uh, welcome back, Todd. How are you? 
Great to be here. Thank you. So, well, at least we have some national press covering the border. <laughs> Every week I seem I to know. ask you and I say, hey, is anybody really covering it down there? You're down there. Every now and then Fox flows, flies a drone. Uh, One America News or or, uh, or one of the others has some coverage. But in terms of the mainstream media, here's some coverage. But what did they do here? What's tell? Walk us through what uh, what happened with this coverage and what the reality was on the ground, please. Well, they should be lauded for putting a good story out there that's just straight as an arrow. Uh, They found uh, sources in the U.S. government that confirmed that an ISIS-sympathetic smuggler, at the very least, had been moving Uzbeks, smuggling them through Mexico to the U.S. border, and that they got at least a dozen of them over uh, before the national security establishment realized that that smuggler was an ISIS guy. So that set off this furious manhunt for the Uzbeks to track them down to make sure that they weren't bad guys, because what happens at the border under the Biden administration is that everybody pretty much who crosses the border just gets released within 24 or 48 hours, you know, no questions asked. And that's what happened with the Uzbeks. It's not supposed to, but that's that's what happened. Uh, they they put the story out. They quoted uh, counterterrorism officials saying that this mass migration crisis. They were like channeling Todd Benzman, really, uh, which is or or Donald Trump from just a couple of years ago, who said, you know, there are terrorists <laughs> that are moving through moving right. through the uh, southern border, and at that time, CNN just absolutely lambasted. Trump, the yeah. president for daring to say such a thing. And now here they are reporting exactly that. Now, um, we're talking with Todd Benzman. And of course, he comes at this with this particular aspect of of the border with um, with the real uh, world experience. Uh, a couple of years ago, he wrote a book, America's Covert Border War, the untold story of the nation's battle to prevent jihadist infiltration. Is there any cause in relation, Todd, in your opinion, to the one th- the one thing that's changed? Well, one big piece of coverage of the border was RFK Jr. going down there to see what he was going to see and coming back and telling, I think on Tucker's show, saying, you know, I saw all these people and he said some some line I'm going to miss miss quote, but something like, uh, you know, military age uh, foreigners, not from Latin America, but from, you know, uh, uh, from Asia and uh, and Africa and others. I-, I thought that was, first of all, I thought it was incredibly honest of him to actually say, which means they'll never let him, you know, succeed, um, uh, let alone probably survive politically or otherwise. But um, is is that what I mean, you've been saying this for a while. Is it as bad? I mean, RFK Jr. said that's all he was seeing. He wasn't seeing, you know, Guatemalan families or Guatemalan. It was all, you know, uh, 18 to 25 year olds and most of them from overseas. Well, he happened to have uh, visited a spot on the border, the Yuma sector. Uh, that is a wide open spigot for uh, what I call special interest aliens, what the government calls special interest aliens. These are people like the Uzbeks. Uh, people that are coming from Muslim-majority countries where terrorism uh, organizations are very active. Uh, the government tags people from those countries as special interest aliens, Uzbeks. The Uzbeks probably came through there, too. So what he was seeing were, you know, Egyptians and Sudanese and Lebanese and Somalis and Yemenis. Uh, that's where they 
they come through and they come through there because, you know, there's a big gap in the wall for one thing. And number two is the border patrol uh, is letting everybody in. They process them straight in to the country within 24 or 48 hours with notices to appear. And so that's what he was seeing. He just happened to go to that spot. Hondurans and Guatemalans are crossing elsewhere. They just, they're just crossing there. But I will just say one thing yep. uh, that, that, that I point out in, the, in my analysis of the CNN story is that what is supposed to happen, what has always happened for 20 years, is special interest aliens get put aside and they're held in detention until an FBI agent or an ICE intelligence officer or some other Fed can get in there and do an in-depth eyeball-to-eyeball interview to see if they are terrorists or if there's any indicators or flags in the during the interview. Because let's face it, most of these people are coming in without any identification, and they say, my name is Mickey Mouse, and that's the extent of how much we know about it. So the interviews are incredibly important. In this case, the FBI went chasing down Uzbeks all over the country that this smuggler brought in, which tells us that those interviews did not happen. And that is very disturbing. Uh, They are not interviewing special interest aliens. They don't have time or inclination. That program, which I, I go into at great length in my book, America's Covert Border War is collapsed. The administration's trying to say, look how great we are. We ran after them as soon as we found out about this and tried to track them all down and interview them. But that is a sign of failure, not success. They should have interviewed them before they ever released one of them, regardless of whether they were a terrorist or not. Uh, we're talking again with Todd Benzman, and uh, he mentioned uh, his uh, his book, America's Covert Border War. Also, his uh, book, Overrun, more recently published, uh, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Border Crisis in U.S. History. Um, notwithstanding their claims that, oh, we tracked him down, we ran him down, aren't we good? Um, which is probably the point of the story. I, I don't think CNN suddenly said, let's get sort of uh, serious on it. I think they probably are trying to bolster the Biden administration and say, look, these guys are actually fighting. But notwithstanding that incident, um, everything else about it is broken, right? I mean, no, no one's no one is changing the policy. No one is saying, "Hey, this is not a good idea. Let's bolster this, shift resources." This is just sort of window dressing on a on a, a monumental disaster. That's how. Am I overstating it? Am I not giving them any credit? Or what's your read? No, I mean you're you're kind of parroting a Department of Homeland Security Office of Inspector General report that was just released last month about a Colombian who was on the terrorism watch list who was released accidentally into the interior and they had to do another crazy manhunt to track him down. Took him two weeks to find this guy in Florida and bring him back. Uh, The OIG did uh, an elaborate investigation and concluded that the mass migration crisis and orders from Washington had put the frontline border agents under such pressure that they can't even answer their email or send email or make phone calls about guys that flag on the terrorism watch list. We have caught 260 terrorists, people who are on the terrorism watch list in the last two and a half years. 
uh, a huge record-breaking number. I mean, that, that number is incredible. Uh, but there are obviously some of them are getting through because of the staggering weight of this mass migration crisis. And I think that's what the problem here is. Uh, these Uzbeks got through there. Nobody's being interviewed because there's just too many people coming through. The whole system has crashed. And that leaves the United States in a very vulnerable position. And the ISIS guys know it. They know it. It's a, it's 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 amazing to me that the CNN stories not created a sort of uh, cascade effect in terms of the coverage, because, as you point out, uh, I mean, I hate to say this. Fear is the best uh, moneymaker for the news. And they could run around and scare people about the possibility of what's happening and, and probably, uh, you know, crack down even more. But they, the crackdown they need to do is seal the borders. So maybe it was meant to be a talking point uh, for the administration and then uh, move on. Uh, uh, we'll see. All right. I got to run. Unfortunately, Todd, uh, Todd Benzman, thank you. We'll put up on social media. Appreciate you very much. Be careful down there on the border. All right. Take care. I'm on my way. All right. Uh, Todd Benzman, everybody. And let me say that uh, he also will be at Eagle Council, uh, eaglecouncil.com. Go there at the 15th and 16th of September in St. Louis. He'll be a speaker there, especially talking about his book, Overrun. We'll have some copies of that. So check it out and come join us if you can. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. My friend Tony Lyons, he just, he we didn't yell at me, but he just said, come on, we got to do this because I was talking off the air. My listeners, Tony, know that I love to talk with my guests before we get going. Tony Lyons, of course, is the president and the publisher at Skyhorse uh, Publishing. We get a bunch of his people on. Uh, he's been in the publishing business for decades now uh, and is himself a commentator and out uh, speaking publicly. So welcome back, Tony. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's great to have you. And uh, first, before we get to any other things, tell me about the publishing business right now, because it feels like, you know, if, if they can if they can stifle voices on social media and on uh, regular media, they do it in in publishing, too. Right. So is it is it is it good times because a lot more people can publish? Is it bad times? How what is what's happening and what are happening to the voices in publishing? Yeah, my feeling is that it's it's a really terrible time in publishing and. And it, it's actually been getting worse. I mean, I've been fighting back really hard, uh -huh. but it's getting worse in this sense. So, you know, we published um, Robert Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Yeah. And when that book came out, um, it was getting thousands of five-star reviews on Amazon. Got up to uh, more than 23,000, which are still there now. Right. But what happened is they started to take all of the likes off of the five star huh. uh so that when you went on the site you would find that the that many of the negative ones were at the top and those are the only ones people read so they're mm. using all of these different tactics so they also put a link to the cdc uh right on the top of it um basically categorizing it as misinformation then they make it really hard for people to find it um, by having it never recommended. So they use all these different tools. And then places like like Barnes and Noble, um, they don't want to really ban a book because that 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 makes them look bad because they want to claim that they really hate banned books or or hate banning books. Mm -hmm. Um but but what what they do is they'll 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 buy 10 copies for their 600 stores hmm. and they'll put them in in one store 
where you know that's close to where the author lives or something like that um so that basically they ban the book but nobody can say that they ban it and and then they have it in their on, online store but they make it difficult for people to find it there and and then you have cases where libraries all around the country decide not not to buy it um privately held bookstores all around the country don't buy the book so it is essentially banned in bookstores libraries then you can't advertise for it so we've had had the new york times uh tell us that they won't let us run an ad we've had uh publishers weekly tell us that they won't run an ad so you know all of those kinds of things um so it is a really hard time to get important serious people who disagree with the mainstream narrative uh, we're, ta- we're again. We're talking with uh, Tony Lyons, and his uh, website is skyhorsepublishing.com. And and I'm looking at the books on the front page of it, and I was clicking through. And one of the things, Tony, I, I never, I never asked you. I never knew. I've had you on the show a bunch of times. Your own politics. I'm not. I don't really. I guess I don't care. I, I don't think I care. If you and I had a drink, maybe I'd care to talk to you. But you, you purposely have published. You know, the real Anthony Fauci. Dershowitz is on there. You've published a number of his books. You, uh, I think Woody Allen's book. One of the books that you published is they, they refused. He was canceled, and you said, "Wait a second, that's got." some value let's publish that i mean you you actually are living this sort of um or you're professionally living this idea that hey let's get lots of voices out there uh, one of the things that was flagged in my exchange with one of your people was um tucker wants to talk to putin and the left's going crazy honestly really what happened here tony that it used to be that smart and educated people wanted lots of dialogue in fact they wanted all the dialogue did did trump make everybody crazy did 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 social media make him crazy what happened where did all the people that used to want voices go yeah i mean it it, it really is crazy and and you know i was at a bobby kennedy speech uh two days ago and he was pointing out that the ukraine war could have been avoided so easily but right. there's just you know that that biden and so many other people now in all different areas just don't want to have a dialogue, that they have this kind of misguided view that there's right and wrong and they know what's right and they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to negotiate. They're not going to debate. Um, they're just going to decide what the truth is and they're going to push that on you with all of the different uh, censorship tools they have with all the different propaganda tools. So you know, um, Tucker Carlson wanting to go talk to Putin, that's a great thing. And, you know, anybody who would go talk to to Putin, who's a prominent person who can, you know, get to a point where we can actually resolve problems rather than just dumping money into it. So one of the other things Bobby Kennedy said in the speech is he was saying that the middle class in this country is just being gutted and the money is going to fighting a war like the Ukraine war or like the war in Afghanistan or the war in Iraq, and we're getting nothing for it. So there's no benefit to it. Uh, nobody's glad that we've done it because we, we, we put all this money into it and then we just leave a mess behind. So we leave, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dead in these wars in the last few years, trillions of dollars spent the middle class in the United States suffering more and more so that something like 57% of the people in the United States don't have a thousand dollars in the bank. 
Hmm. So the richest and most powerful country on earth, um, you know, has this just incredible poverty. And, you know, much of that comes from just an unwillingness to have any real dialogue about how we solve problems. Uh, Tony Lyons is our guest. Uh, his his uh, publishing house is called Skyhorse Publishing. Go to skyhorsepublishing.com. Um, again, Tony, when I'm looking at uh, t- two questions, I, I, I'll run them together so you can hit them both. One is, I think I remember Christina Bob wrote a book on um, the election of 2020 and the you know the, the uh, election problems. And then the other one was when I listened. I've told you before the real Anthony Fauci. I listened to it as a book on tape, uh, Audible, and I, I couldn't believe what I learned about pharma. And and what I want to ask you is. When you take on, uh, like as a publisher, like the third rail, Far- I mean, pharma runs all the ads on Fox and other channels. I mean, we go watch any of them, CNN during the day. It's all pharma. So I'm not sure you'll ever get a, f- if you publish a book that's critical of pharma, you, you probably find yourself, uh, without even knowing it, getting iced off of places like Fox, because even if they wanted to cover the topic, that, that's the, that's the people that pay their bills. And similarly, somehow they made it so you can't question the election. How, how have you navigated that? Because you keep publishing books. Do, do they give you a, pa- a does it they give you like they ignore those ones and they and move on i mean how how have you fought those and still sell books yeah yeah you know i've i've been sort of right in the middle of that so so for right now for example we're publishing a book called vax unvax let the science speak by mm-hmm. you know robert f kennedy jr and dr brian hooker uh-huh. and you know that's a book that really questions the way science is done in this country now so big pharmaceutical companies don't like this book, won't want you to read it, will want to shut it down. Um, but I but I think that what's happening is that more and more people in this country recognize what's going on. So that's been a real benefit from these past three years, that it's been so transparent that people who looked like they were crazy or conspiracy theorists three years ago now look like they're people... <laughs> who really know what's going on and were kind of in in many cases right all along. And I think that, you know, you know, you look at at this book, Vax Unvax, which, you know, a lot of powerful people clearly hate it and do not, like I said, do not want anybody to read this book, but it's actually doing really well. So right now it's the 24th best selling book in America. Wow. And, you know, that in that includes, you know, novels people are reading for the summer or young children's back to school books. So, you know, to to be the number 24 book overall in its second day in publication just shows you that the American people are not so easy to fool anymore. Yeah, uh, it's called Vax Unvax. Let the science speak. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and uh, Dr. Brian Hooker um, and uh, over at SkyhorsePublishing.com. All right. We got to run. Uh, thank you for sque- squeezing us in. Uh, Tony Lyons, I know he's got a busy schedule. I will put all that up on social media. I also do want to say I enjoyed I interviewed yesterday Joe Allen or two days ago. His book, uh, Dark Eon, Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. Very, very interesting uh, book also. So uh, very good. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Texas Governor Greg Abbott's midnight retaliatory vetoes on the tail end of Texas's biennial legislative session reflects how closely he is tied to rhino megadonors 
who are frustrated by the lack of enactment of their preferred type of property tax reform. These rhino billionaires, that's Republicans in name only, failed to provide needed financial support for conservatives in 2020, and our country cannot afford a repeat of their treachery again in 2024. While campaigning against Abbott more than a year ago, Alan West aired a campaign ad standing next to the unfinished border wall in Texas. West rhetorically wondered why Abbott has accomplished so little to secure the border, despite being governor for nearly a decade. Thousands pour over that Texas-Mexico border every single day, and they bring drugs with them that are spread throughout the country. Only a few good bills, such as the overwhelmingly popular ban on male-bodied transgenders invading women's sports and a ban on minors being subjected to life-altering transgender procedures, were signed into law by Abbott this year, who was not the real leader on either one of those. No Republican can win a future presidential election without winning Texas. Yet Abbott is harming the GOP's reputation with voters there by taking the party in the wrong direction. Governing for the benefit of a handful of oligarchs while retaliating against conservative legislators is a recipe for long-term political disaster. The data proves that Americans are evacuating liberal hubs in droves, leaving the San Francisco's and the New York's of the country for the Abilene's and the Dallas's. The very worst thing that a leader in Texas could do would be to allow Texas to turn into a liberal wasteland like what those leftist refugees left behind. Instead, now is the time to welcome those expatriates not only to the state of Texas, but to the conservative values that Texas has come to represent. That's the best path forward, not only for the state of Texas, but also for the entire conservative movement. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's no secret that globalists are bent on destroying Western culture. Whether the threat comes from inside or outside our borders, America must be protected from cultural Marxism and those who would deny American sovereignty. We're seeking your insight at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's finish up with a little update from Europe. I think I've, I've told you uh, one of the interesting and somewhat reliable, well, it's reliable because it comes to my inbox every morning at about two o'clock in the morning, because I think it comes out at about eight o'clock on uh, in um, in the morning in Europe. But it's an email from Politico about the EU and how what's going on in the EU. So when I wake up, usually around 430 or five in the morning, I can look at this uh, update from the EU and it's Politico. So it's always left leaning and all. And you have to look closely and try to parse it out. But the, the, there was a lengthy article about uh, Italy. And the headline of the article basically said, oh, look at that. She got into office and Georgia Maloney. It turns out that she's not really conservative. She's in office and she's uh, just taking care of uh, her own uh, stuff. And it's not um, it's not uh, uh, her own uh, interests. And she's not sticking to her guns on the question of immigration and migration. And um, so you read the article and it's a little different. I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment. But I do want to talk about this. One of the things that happens all the time, I mean, every time when you talk about especially that issue, the issue of immigration, migration, illegal immigration, is that in office, the forces that fight against it are really strong. 
They're really good. You think about how hard it was for Trump to do the things he wanted to do in terms of building the wall. He basically won on that issue. I mean, he really won his election on build the wall and he got into office and the combination of his own party plus the other side made it unbelievably difficult, really a challenge for him to get that done. I mean, he was tied up in knots by the courts, by Congress, by his own administration. You know, when you look back on it, you're like, why did he put these people in? Well, I don't know either. I don't know either. You know, I mean, I, I, I but he ended up with, uh, remember, uh, uh, there was the, 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 uh, General Kelly was the head of, uh, uh, DHS, uh, Department of Homeland Security. And then when he left to become chief of staff, and it turns out he was not really, uh, that supportive of, um, of uh, Trump's positions, his assistant, it, it was, uh, I never get it right. Kirsten, um, Kirsten, oh, I forget her last name, but anyway, she, she stepped up and became the head of that Kirsten Nelson Nielsen, Kirsten Nielsen becomes the head of the, the uh, Homeland security. And she definitely in retrospect was not at all on board. So here's what I'm saying. Don't be surprised that Georgia Maloney got in. And now she's got a coalition government. And in Italy, it's not even just like uh, America where one party wins. And it's in order to become prime minister, you've got to cobble together, you know, three or one major party. That's her party. But then three or four other parties to get to the number and to be able to do this. And so she's she you'd expect some uh, some softening of the position because you um, know how that works. But you don't be surprised. My point is those in power on the fundamental issues, the issues that are most important to the globalists, they don't give up. They don't give up. They try to find a way to get it done anyway. Remember, they tried to get us, draw us into like a war with Syria, and they tried to get us into war. Trump kept resisting. He didn't want wars. That's the defense industrial complex, the military industrial complex. Same thing with the immigration. The combination of groups that want to see increased uh, migration, immigration, illegal immigration. It's big business, multinational corporations. It's the big left. It's, uh, you know, lots of different folks that there's some people that are just true believers in it. So Georgia Maloney's had a tough time. Now, by the way, let me just be clear. When you read the political article, Politico article, what she's actually saying is it is true that she's changed her position in the sense that she's saying we should allow more people than she initially ran on. When she ran, she was saying we shouldn't have like, you know, any immigration. We should stop it all completely. Now she's saying, well, because of the problems we're having, a decline in our, our population, maybe we should have a, a half a million workers. Then they say in the article, well, you know, if you do half a million, the way chain migration works, even in Italy, you can get another two times that uh, two more per person. So another million. So it's really a million five. Whoa, that's a lot. She wants a million five. Well, that's not what she said. She said she wanted a half a million. And here's the key. She did change her position. She did get softer on the issue, meaning she wants half a million. But she also said legal, legal, not people that are showing up in boats, not people that are running through the border, legal. Well, I, I've said the same thing in America. We should have an immigration system, but we should decide who comes. It should be our decision. It shouldn't be driven by uh, lawlessness. It also shouldn't be driven by business or others who say we, you know, we get rid of uh, one of the things that often happens. I remember the late Phyllis Schlafly used to talk about this is like she gets so mad when she's told that we need, you know, other nations to send their engineers. We don't have enough engineers. No, we have plenty of engineers. They want to pay. They want to pay the they want, Silicon Valley and others want to pay Indian engineers about 60 percent what they pay Americans. 
and they want to keep them on visas that are effectively a kind of high paying. I'm not saying they're broke, but it's a kind of an indentured servitude where if you got quit your job or got fired, you'd lose your visa and have to go back to your home country. So and my point is, we should also, after we secure the border, after we have a tight border, after we have controls over illegal immigration, then we should decide what we want. That's all Georgia Maloney was saying. So the article about her is a little misleading. It tries to be overly dramatic and say she's gone really soft. What it really says is that she um, is uh, uh, open to legal, legal, read legal, not, you know, in in Italy, it's boat people that are uh, coming from Africa on boats, landing in places like Sicily and the southern parts of Italy. And according to the EU rules, it's like our American ridiculous rules. If you say you have a uh, reason for refugee status, then we have to let you stay. That's what the, the, the Biden administration says. Well, under the EU, if these boat people get to the shore, they have certain rights they can invoke. And she's saying we can't allow that. And we're not going to allow it. So it's a lot different than they perceive. But uh, but more importantly, when you get in power, these fundamental issues, they, they find ways, the swamp, call it the deep state if you want, to resist the change that uh, leaders want okay we got to run thank you as always noah dingley ryan height mason mohan our producers we'll be back tomorrow it's ed martin here on the pro america report talk to you then this is the pro america report on the answer san diego